You're listening to the Footprints of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Lawrence. Today on Footprints, we welcome Vicky Powell, product design engineer at Apple. Over the past five years, Vicky has carved out a stellar engineering career, which has landed her a coveted position at Apple and led her to move from Melbourne to San Francisco. With a wide range of academic and sports talents, Vicky has held many leadership roles, which we'll hear all about today. She is a very talented rower and has been known to enjoy a hit of tennis. <laughs> Hi, Vicky. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Samantha. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here today. To start off, could you briefly describe what your leadership journey has been and how you've gotten to where you are today? Yeah, sure. See, so, yeah, I grew up in Australia, small uh, country town and I think the first kind of experiences that I had were, you know, getting involved in being the captain of the basketball team and things like that. And then through my schooling career, I I think I got great opportunities to sort of test out what it felt like to be a leader. Yeah, again, in a lot of sports roles. And then in my final year, I was the house captain as well. And I think those roles were really great in that it allowed me to kind of understand what it felt like to lead a group of people and I just kind of got hooked on that that feeling of, you know, being able to inspire others and not only, you know, help me and my friends, but larger groups of people and inspire things like that. So that was my uh, high school career. And then when I came to the University of Melbourne, I was at Ormond College, which is a small residential college there. And they have a really good system where they give students a lot of opportunities to kind of take on leadership roles and try it out. And I was elected into a few roles there. And again, I was really loving it. And it sort of further affirmed that I really enjoy um, being able to take on those kind of challenges and to lead people through tough times. And yeah, so towards the end of my engineering degree at the University of Melbourne, I then sort of was at a crossroads and I thought, do I want to go straight into industry and start, you know, a professional career, maybe in, in something in Australia or do I want to continue digging deeper into like a technical space by doing a master's? And I, I think to have the credibility that allows you to be um, a really strong leader and leading kind of technology companies, it's really valuable to have that depth of technical experience. So that's, I think, what kind of uh, made that decision for me when I thought, yep, I really need to go and do a master's. So I also thought it would be a great opportunity to go overseas. So that's when I sort of started to think, oh, maybe I could do it over in the US. Like there, you know, there's great opportunities there in engineering. And I'd sort of always really liked the idea of going over there. So I paired that, you know, doing a master's degree, going deeper with this opportunity to come over to the US and test it out and see what it's like over here. So I came over here and then in my mind, I thought I'll always go back to Australia. I'll probably go back to Australia when I finish. But then I ended up applying to a few roles before I graduated and got this job at Apple. And I was like, well, got to give it a try. Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up where I am. And now I'm, I'm uh, yeah, leading some projects at Apple and um, continuing to kind of explore what it means to be an engineer in industry and all the challenges that come with, you know, technology development and working in big companies. And so, yeah, it's been an amazing journey and I'm, I'm really loving it. Yeah. Yeah. And is Apple as amazing as it seems to work for? Is it just some incredible office? What's it like? I mean, I often tell people this, like before I came in, obviously I had this kind of, um, you know, expectation of what it would be like. And I think 
many parts of it are like as amazing as kind of I expected, but there's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a big group of people and everyone, you know, humans all have flaws and there's things that get missed and inefficiencies and that kind of thing. So it's definitely a bit messier on the inside than maybe it seems on the outside when the beautiful iPhone pops out, but it's definitely a really cool company to work for and you get to meet people from all over the world and um, with really cool different backgrounds from different industries. So it is pretty cool, but it's not, you know, it's not all glamorous on the inside for sure. <laughs> yes. Is there a wide range of nationalities that work there that, yeah. that have moved to the US to work for Apple? Yeah. And I think that's one of the really great things about Silicon Valley in general is it's very, very international. Like people come from it all around the world, not only to just work for these big companies, but to start their own company. You know, Silicon Valley is known for that kind of ability to bring an idea and you'll be the next Facebook or Apple or something. So it's not only within the company, but just kind of the area in general is very, very diverse. And it's definitely great. You know, you want to have diversity at the table when you're coming up with, you know, new and innovative ideas, because you want to have a sort of diversity of um, backgrounds when you're doing that process. Yes, absolutely. It would be so incredible. Yeah. I'd love to know, Vicky, what does leadership mean to you? Mm. It's a good question. I think over my sort of journey, I guess, in different positions that I've held, I think that to me, one of the like most important things as a leader is driving the vision or the goal, because inevitably things get messy. And particularly if you have like a long-term goal with a group of people, it's the leaders that sort of it's really important that they keep the team accountable and keep everyone kind of focused on what is our end goal when things get hard and things kind of like slip the schedule slips or maybe there's a challenge that knocks you off course I think it's really important that you have these leaders that one keep the vision really clear and drive the whole team in that same direction make sure you're all swimming together Um, and also be able to yeah identify each individual's kind of unique perspective and their unique um, circumstances. I think that's what I've noticed, especially in some really strong leaders that I have met over my time is they have a really strong ability to kind of cater the vision to the individual and make sure that everyone's on board in their own way and they're understanding how each person contributes to that larger vision and are able to articulate that in a way that everyone can understand and really feels. And I think that's a really important part of leadership because, you know, it's all well and good if you set a goal and then you sort of whip everyone to make sure they do it. But to get everyone to the finish line feeling really happy and like really accomplished and together, I think it's really important to have really supportive leaders that can bring everyone together and still as a cohesive team that enjoys working together. Yes, yes, absolutely. So Vicky, you're, you know, you're obviously this incredibly accomplished and successful person, you know, you've managed to achieve a lot, you know, studying and then in the workplace. So you're obviously organized and, and <laughs> very driven as well. I know you're already um, looking to study again. So I'm really interested to know if you have a special kind of routine or strategies mm. that you use to stay motivated and keep mm. yourself organized. Yeah. I do have a few strategies. I mean, none of them are very groundbreaking or unique, but um, one that's kind of evolved over my life is um, definitely the importance of exercise and kind of like 
having a routine around moving your body and that kind of thing. I think like it's really important not only to sort of just keep um, healthy and fit, but to me, it's almost a bit like a, a meditation almost. Like I start most of my days with either going for a run or going when we could going to the gym and getting up, like that thing of, you know, getting up early, having time to yourself that's removed from the busyness of the day. Generally, people aren't messaging you at 6 a.m. asking for things. So it's kind of, I've found that sometimes, maybe subconsciously, that's where I get to process, you know, the bigger ideas of like, where am I going in my career? Or, you know, rather than waking up and going straight to the meeting and just worrying about the sort of smaller details of the day, I think having time like that where, you know, you're just running and you're just focusing on your breath and focusing on your thoughts, I think has really been like a constant help for me over my career so far. Another one that I guess I kind of learned from one of my mentors when I was um, in my master's degree is carrying around a little notebook, like a physical notebook and pen. And I've done that. um, I started it towards the end of my um, graduate studies and I've kept it going through my whole career at Apple for the last few years. And um, essentially what I do is I just keep all the like relevant tasks or like the things that I need to focus on this week on one page and little check boxes. And as I work through them, I'll check them off. And then if I don't get them done that week, I'll either put them on the next page or reassess. Do I really need to do that? Is that important? Or is that something I can like delegate or um, it's not no longer important or something? And it's really good because one, it keeps me organized for sure. And then, you know, I can sort of assess how much do I have on my plate? Should I really take this on? Or should I figure out a way to find someone else or Um, figure out another way to get it done and it's also really motivating um, being able to look back on that as well like I often get out my old books that I had and looking at the different challenges that I was facing back then and I'll take notes as well in the in the back pages like lessons learned or you know bits of advice from different people that they've given me over the years and it's definitely nice to have that physical record and it it almost gives you know something physical to the experiences that I've gone through and the kind of things that I've achieved so far. So I think that's one thing that um, I think really helps. Yeah, I love that idea. I'm, you know, in the last few years, especially, I've gone very much on the computer. Yeah. And you lose that ability to kind of look back and reflect and see it all there in one place. And that's something really lovely about that. And I also find it's really nice to have it sometimes because like, you know, we're all on our phones so much. And sometimes if you're talking to someone and you get out your phone to take a note about what they've said or something like it's, it, you know, maybe you're sending a text, maybe, you know, maybe you're looking at an email, but if you've got a book and you're like, oh, that's really good. I'm going to make a note about it. It's like, I feel like it means you're much more present as well. And you're not going to be like bombarded with notifications. It's like, you're just looking at the page and yeah, sometimes going back to basics like that, like, you know, having a physical notebook can um, be really helpful. Yes, absolutely. I think I'm yeah. actually going to change to that now. <laughs> and so you're an early riser then. Are you yeah. sort of getting up at six and then in the office at nine or what does that sort of look like for you? Yeah. So when, I mean, it's changed a bit now that we're all, um, you know, we're in a pandemic, but what we used to do, um, my boyfriend and I would get up usually before six and drive down to try and beat the traffic because the traffic can get pretty horrible here in in, um, the Bay Area. So we'd drive down and go to the gym that's near our works and um, then we'd have breakfast together and get to work around, yeah, 8.30 or 9. But, like, it's also pretty flexible. I think it's quite common actually in 
the Bay Area where, you know, if you don't have anything on that morning and you've worked a really late night the night before, there's no problem coming in at like 10 or something. But just because of the, um, the traffic, we generally get up pretty early and I like having that time before I start the work day to yeah, have to myself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so now that you, we are all working remotely, yeah. is that just a run instead for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been definitely very glad that they haven't banned running altogether because I think that's been keeping me very like sane a lot yes. during this time. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely go for a run or maybe a bike ride. There's some great bike rides around here, like over the Golden Gate Bridge and stuff. So I always find that I have a better day if I've started my day with some kind of exercise, even if it's just like a small run. And then generally we'll get a coffee at one of our local coffee stores and then come back to the house. And I like having that like separation because then when you walk back into the house, it's like, okay, I'm at work now. You know, it's that transition from home life to work life, even though it's the same place now. But (laughs) yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. What has been one of the most difficult decisions you've had to make as a leader? Mm, that's a good one. I think because I do, my leadership style is very much how do I make my team members be the best versions of themselves that they can be and how can I bring them along in this vision that we have together? I think the hardest things for me are when I have to kind of do something that maybe will make someone feel hurt or it'll appear as though I've done something that maybe, you know, will limit someone else's chances for something in the future, maybe like taking someone off a project or giving them negative feedback, you know, things that they need to improve on. And that's something I'm really trying to improve in myself as a leader because I know that's it's it's a really important part of leadership is, you know, you have to be able to help people improve on the weak areas that they have or if someone's not right for a project or not right for a team, you're not doing them any favours by, you know, not doing something about it. So I think those are generally the hardest things for me. And then sometimes, you know, when people are, for example, in sports teams, some of the hardest things I found was if people are really exhausted and, you know, not wanting to do those extra sessions of work and things is trying to find ways to motivate people without coming across as just like a dictator or, you know, just being like, yeah, you have to work really hard, cracking the whip kind of thing, like being able to balance those things so that, you know, you can respect that everyone's trying to do their best, but we're all trying to kind of achieve this bigger goal. And I think that's what I always come back to is if you can communicate it in a way where you're sort of centering it around, remember, this is what we we're, we're trying to achieve together. And this is why I have to take this action. And I hope that you understand. And I understand that maybe you don't think that it's the right thing to do. But sometimes that's, that's what leaders have to do, make those hard decisions. So yeah, I think those in general are, are the hardest ones for me. So through your move to America and the career that you've now carved out there, you're a really inspiring role model to many Australians dreaming of doing the same. Do you have any advice for someone who's wanting to chase that dream and that lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, as I was sort of mentioning earlier, I think America in general has um, so many great opportunities that I know like myself and a lot of Aussies definitely aspire to be able to achieve. And I think it's, it's a great thing to aspire to do that. And I think it worked out in that I, I did my master's degree here first because 
particularly, I think for the US, a lot of the job opportunities come about through networking and knowing people and being able to kind of show relationships or experience in similar industries or, you know, have the right connection that can give you a warm introduction. So I would definitely say if there's any way that you can have those kind of um, warm introductions, like there's a lot of Aussies here now, you know, if you can find someone on LinkedIn that has a similar connection, you know, um, reach out to them and see if they have suggestions on like, what's the best way to get through, like, for example, you know, the Apple interview system, you know, there's specific kind of structures to it and things that can improve your chances of getting through those structures. And I think comparing what I knew about getting a job in the US from when I left Australia to when I finished my degree in the US, it was just completely different. And I had I was like, wow, it's just like I'd had no idea that this is how it was all done and this is what I had to do. And it is very different. I mean, some of the cultural kind of norms and expectations are very different. And so if you are trying to come to the US, just get a job straight from Australia to the US, I think definitely trying to find those connections. Or if you want to do some more study or you want to have an experience over here that's kind of a short-term thing, I I think definitely jump into those and that way you can build your own kind of authentic network here. And I think um, for me, I during my master's degree, I did an internship in the Bay Area at a startup and that really helped because then, you know, I sort of within America, obviously there's different subcultures and I, by being here and understanding what it was like and, you know, the different kind of challenges that people kind of focus on during interviews and things, I think that definitely helped me go through that process. But yeah, network is a very big thing here. So try and find connections if you can. That definitely helps. Yes. Amazing. Great advice. Great advice. Went out of interest before you went to study in America. Had you ever visited before? Yeah, I had actually. Yeah. So when I was younger, I um, I came over twice, I think. Actually, in total, three times before I started. So I came over when I was younger with um, my grandma and my dad and went to Disneyland. And then I came over with my mom and visited my um, cousins and auntie and uncle who were living over here in Kansas as well when I was quite young. So I had a few different experiences. And then I actually came over for a a business ethics case competition with some students when I was at Ormond College. So I um, had a few different kinds of experiences around the States, but I just had a fascination with coming over here for a while. I don't know actually where it came from. Maybe, you know, I mean, there's a lot of popular culture and kind of, you know, watching all the documentaries about the different kind of technologies that are developed here, particularly coming from an engineering kind of background. It's you always sort of aspire to be in and around all those things. So, yeah. Yes, yes. And I imagine that would have made you feel a little more comfortable to make such a big move to then study there. Yeah, I think so. And I think my parents both had kind of you know, close family friends that were over here. And, and I actually did an exchange in Canada when I was in high school. So I had kind of connections that were close by that were kind of like family that I knew I could reach out to. But it was definitely scary. I mean, I didn't know a single person in Michigan when I um, came to start my studies in Ann Arbor. So it, it was quite an amazing experience sort of turning up somewhere and going, wow, this is my home, but I don't know anyone. Like, wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> It was exciting, but definitely, yeah, uh, nerve-wracking in some ways too. Yeah. What has been some of the greatest professional challenges you've faced moving to America? I think, yeah. So 
one of the biggest things that I talk about to a few people, particularly people that are thinking about coming over is um, there are a few things that are pretty different in the way that people kind of talk about themselves and adjusting to that can be um, a bit challenging. And I definitely faced like throughout my master's degree, I kind of had to transform the kind of language that I used when I was talking about myself. I think Aussies like to kind of um, be pretty humble and there's the whole tall puppy syndrome thing that sometimes plays into how we speak about ourselves and our goals. And I think in the US, it's very much more exaggerated and like, don't hold back, be ambitious. So I think changing my vocabulary and kind of like how I how I spoke about myself was definitely a tough one throughout my um, master's degree because I was sort of being in classes with these people. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm doing well and I'm like moving along with these people and I feel that, you know, I can I can do these things as well. And I would hear how they would talk about themselves and I would sort of cringe and go, oh my gosh, I, that's not me. I couldn't say that. But, you know, you have to be able to adapt to that because, you know, over here when you're in an interview, if you don't highlight your strengths and sort of be ambitious then they'll say oh maybe they they're not the right fit or they don't have enough skills to be in this role so that was a big one that sort of happened through my master's degree and I think another one through working at Apple I think kind of as I was saying before there's a lot of different cultures and a lot of different approaches and sometimes particularly you know with some of the older guys that are at the company that have been in engineering for many generations kind of thing there are certain ways that they talk to people and certain kind of like cultural norms that sort of rub rub you in the wrong way sometimes or can seem very confronting and like you know people just sometimes you know swearing about things and like being yelling at you and at first I think that was really um challenging for me to sort of address and how do I respond to this this isn't something that I've really kind of had to deal with Um, much in my career yet but I think it kind of goes back to the understanding that everyone is unique and comes at these problems in unique ways and if you get a um, chance and take some time to understand that person and where they're coming from and like you know an old colleague of mine he's from Italy and he sort of that's just his kind of approach to engineering sometimes it's very you know exaggerated and using very exaggerated language and saying, oh, you idiot and things like this. But that's just his kind of baseline. It wasn't that there was anything particular about our project. It's just kind of like that's how, you know, that people speak in different ways and figuring out how to, one, adjust yourself so that you can accept it and, you know, receive the kind of information in the right way. And then also how do you then address them back in the most efficient way and like, building up those skills of being able to identify, okay, this person's going to be like this. How do I, um, you know, speak to them or kind of adjust how I'm behaving to best suit that kind of situation? Absolutely. I had a little chuckle just then because I'm um, half Italian and my husband is not, and he's had to to deal with the passion and the exaggeration and (laughs) how you communicate in that way. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, once you get to know, you know, where people are coming from and what they really mean by what they're saying, you know, I think we're all generally on the same page and you're all passionate about getting things done. People just sometimes communicate it and do it in a different way. But if you try not to take it to heart and just, you know, accept it for what it is, then it works out in the end. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
What has been your greatest professional achievement and why? I think I would have to say one thing that I'm really proud of at Apple was, so I spent a bit of time the first few years at Apple in a team um, that was more focused on, I guess, the production side. So I was traveling to China like seven or eight times a year and to Europe multiple times a year, which was amazing. But, you know, it, the kind of novelty of the travel definitely wears off. But um, I was sort of feeling that I was going in a certain direction that I wasn't expecting my career to go, I guess. And it wasn't that it was bad and I was still progressing and getting um, more opportunities to be a leader and to kind of like develop my technical and professional skills. But I sort of, I could feel that direction going in somewhere that I was hoping it wouldn't. And I think at some point I kind of made a decision, all right, I need to make a change. I need to address this. And like, even though most people would say, but you're, you know, you're getting all these great opportunities and things. Um, why stop here? I think it was a really, I'm proud that I I took the chance of applying to other teams and to other places and I actually swapped teams, which isn't actually that common in Apple. It's like it's a bit of a challenge to do that. But um, I think by identifying and it, it typically like my personality is I don't want to like, you know, rock the boat in the team. I want to like make sure everyone you know, there's great team morale and I'm doing everything that I can for the team. But I think when I identified that, yeah, I could keep going in this role and like keep being the best person I could for the team, but maybe in the long run, that wouldn't be the best thing um, for my career. And I sort of actively worked to adjust that direction and make a jump, even though it was difficult and kind of not as common. I think in the end, since I've been at this new team for a while now, I've, I think I definitely made the right choice and I'm really glad that I did that. And I think overall, I mean, being at Apple has been an amazing experience. And I think probably just being here is, is um, one of my favorite achievements. But within that, I think that ability for to identify that something was wrong and be bold enough to say, actually, I want to do what's right for my career, even if it may be difficult in the short term. I think in the long term, it was the right decision. And I'm glad that I did that. That's so fantastic. I mean, it takes, yeah. I mean, that's really special that you, you were able to reflect and then yeah. take action and also be brave to make a right. change like that. Yeah, And to say like, Hey team, like I love, you know, working with you all and I love what we're doing, but you know, this maybe isn't right for me. Like and you kind of have to work with the team and say, I'm actually wanting to move somewhere else within the company and it has to kind of be this exchange. But yeah, I'm definitely glad that, and I was very lucky that I had a lot of supportive mentors that saw exactly what I was saying and said, yep, this is right for you. And like, we totally um, want to support you and do what we can to help. So I, I think I'm very lucky. Fantastic. To finish off today, Vicky, what's yeah. one piece of leadership advice that you can leave me with? I think that um, for Aussies in general, and I think we were kind of speaking about this, I think it's really important that you be ambitious, you know, don't hold back on goals that you have, because I think what's really inspiring to a lot of people is when they see leaders that are unapologetic about the kind of things that they want to achieve and, you know, really trying to stretch not only themselves, but their teams to be the best that they can be. And if you combine that ambition with really caring about your team members, I think in my experience has created really special and like very high performing teams. And 
So yeah, I think the summary is, I think just be ambitious. Don't be afraid to communicate and a a big goal and like, just go for it. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Vicky. You really have inspired me today. I've I've really enjoyed hearing uh, your story and your leadership experience and congratulations on everything you've achieved and where you are today working at Apple and um, all the best for your future endeavors. Cool. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Footprints of Leadership podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify to be notified of our next episode. You can find more on our socials at Footprints Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Giraffe Consulting. If your business is ready for a new perspective, visit giraffeconsulting.com.au.